The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Another episode of Wookie Radio it is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. And uh, hey, guys, I don't know if you got if it's coming across y'all's comms or not. Um, I'm getting a faint signal from an escape pod. Um, we may watch. We may want to check it out because that could be Dan. Sorry, Don. My mistake. It's that it's that faint signal that caused me to mess up the transmission. It's Don from the Escape Pod podcast. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. Seeing your name made it so easy for us to play into our world that we kind of set up with us being smugglers and having the ships or, or ship, depending on the week, and, and playing in. We're you know, just like Galaxy's Edge. We're in the First Order time frame, so... Nice. Um, Derek, Ken, how are you guys? Doing all right. It's been a very long week, but I'm ready to talk Star Wars. <laughs> there is plenty to talk about. And hey, do it. Yeah. I got I got some thunderstorms happening right now. So if you hear anything or if you lose me for a minute, it's because of that. <laughs> yeah, my spying, you guys are using the new mics. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, isn't that great? These definitely have a better sound to them. Yeah. 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 What are you guys using? Uh, CAD. Derek and I have the CAD Podmaster Super D 1200. Mm -hmm. And Ken is using the CAD Podmaster USB Super D 1300. Yeah. Nice. So I think these are the newest podcasting mics that are from CAD Audio, aren't they? They are the only podcasting mics, dedicated podcast mics from CAD Audio. Ah, okay. And some of the newest ones. Some of the newest ones on the market as well. These definitely have a lot better low end pickup on them than the uh, than the mics we were using. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I I just have to be careful though. Um, if I get too close to the mic, that proximity effect really kicks in. That's interesting. But if I get <laughs> if I get too far away, it was from the, the first time he did it. If I get too far <laughs> away from the mic, it is the reverse proximity effect. <laughs> Uh, so this isn't the first time he's pulled that trick. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. New, new that, that's because yeah. of a little toy we got from another sponsor, the Tascam unit that we use. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. The the Tascam Mini Studio. The, nice. We yeah. use a uh, Roadcaster. Ah. Uh, you lucky? I am. Yeah, well, I'm. Hearing, I don't know if we're lucky. We bought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing rumblings that cat or test game is coming out with their own that will rival the roadcaster. That would be cool. That'd be cool. So, you know, when, um, when I was in high school, uh, I did a lot with, uh, uh, you know, singing and stuff in high school and we used a big Taz cam. I learned how to use that back in the day. That thing was a beast. Yeah. Yeah. It took like four guys to pick it up. It was serious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm an audio engineer at Walt Disney World and mm-hmm. get to play on some some nice digital consoles. Nice. So 
things yeah, have come a long way since then. Oh yeah. Oh, For yeah. their uh, stages, Disney's not going to go a little light on their uh, on the tech. Uh, we really didn't start getting into digital consoles till about 2006. Yeah. So it's only been 15 years that we've been running digital. But the 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 current stage I'm on, <laughs> yeah, those consoles aren't cheap at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Um, speaking of not cheap, something that's not cheap. As soon as I find it. That's a little smuggler's feud. I don't know. It feels pretty cheap to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you always say that. <laughs> um, so smuggler's feud, we go back and forth, show to show, trying to find my pen so I could take notes. Why do I keep? Okay. There's, I have, I have some pens that I really love that the family loves to steal. I got to keep tabs on them. Um, we go back and forth. Unlike regular family feud, where one side plays until three strikes and the other side tries to steal. We go back and forth each each round. You get correct answer or you get a strike, one or the other. And in case of a tie, such as same round, both teams get three strikes or we clear the board. Um, clear the board. If we clear the board, team with the least amount of strikes wins. If it's t- but any other tiebreaker, whoever gets the highest answer wins. So... Don, I have three cards in front of me. One, two, or three. Three. It's the highest number. <laughs> we will go three. Okay. I don't know if y'all should think like Star Wars fans or not think like Star Wars fans. Oh, boy. And I will tell you, it's prequel and OT. No sequel trilogy in this. No Force Awakens. Five answers on the board. Who is the most gullible Star Wars character? <laughs> Don, you go first. Jar Jar Binks. Number one. <laughs> uh, you know what? Since he was done as a naive farm boy, let's try Luke Skywalker. Final answer. Sure. What do you think, Derek? Yeah, why not? Number three. He How many were in this? Obi-Wan Five. Stuff. Back to Don. Oh, sorry. C-3PO. Number two. That was going to be my pick. <laughs> now the game gets uh, interesting. Let's see. Two left. Anakin, maybe? Final answer. Sure. Number four. Wow. Nice. Can we sweep the card with no strikes? I don't think that has happened yet. No pressure there, Don. Um... <laughs> My first two answers I was right on top of. Now I'm. Mm. Uh, let's stick with Droid and say R2D2. Strike one. Back to Wookiee Radio. Mm. Any ideas, Ken? I'm thinking. That's dangerous. Mm. I know. Uh, hmm. Gullible. Hmm. The entire Galactic Senate when Palpatine's sitting on the throne? Yeah. <laughs> Is that your final answer? No. Watch that actually be it, even though we're not going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say this will be a tough one. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> <Well>, thanks. <laughs> well, that smells stinker with. No, that was already picked. <laughs> I seriously have no. I can think of large groups like the Jedi Council was fooled. Um, trying right. to think of individual characters, though. It's not. Okay. We got to have an answer, though. Yep. Want to try a group? Sure. Well, no, it said uh, characters, not? right? What's the wording? Who is the most Star Wars? Or who is the most Star Wars gullible? Who is the most mm-hmm. gullible Star Wars character? Yeah, so it's actual people, not groups. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with Padme. She never saw the Anakin's betrayal coming. Sure, why not? That's what I thought. Back to Dawn. We may not get this last one. I don't know. Dawn, mm-hmm. what do you think? Uh, my next guess is Newt Gunray. 
Mm. That doesn't sound too hard. <laughs> um, how about Count Dooku? Final answer. Sure, I don't think it's it, but I don't have a better. My last uh, guess here is, you know, because Chewbacca managed to get himself ensnared in that trap. I'm going to say Chewbacca. So we have one more strike. One more strike. If y'all strike out, Don gets the win. I don't like this. Han or Leia, but. Mm, Maybe. I don't know which one. Because they're bigger name characters. No. Yeah. Yeah, whichever, whichever one you want to go with, I'm fine with. Let's go with Princess Leia. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Mm. So who was it? Final answer, but Don with the win. Number what five. What was the final answer? Number five, stormtrooper. Oh, they were what? pretty gullible. <laughs> sure. They are characters. Yeah. Technically a group. True. As well. <laughs> You guys were on to the right uh, answer. It was a group. Yeah. They just said Stormtrooper. Not which one, but Stormtrooper. Probably that poor bastard that racked his head on the door walking through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would assume that was TK421, but no, TK421 was one of the ones taken out on the Falcon. Never mind. Right. Um. So, Don, tell us a little bit about the escape pod. Well, the escape pod, for uh, um, lack of a better way to describe it, is a Star Wars-centric pop culture podcast. Um, We're big Star Wars fans, so that kind of rests at the the nexus of everything that we talk about. Um, But we have... Uh, we have our hands in a great deal of fandoms, so we like to highlight those as we, you know, travel through our a nerd conversations, so to speak. Like a few weeks ago, we did a Doctor Who episode, and you know, the this last month we've done quite a bit of Star Wars because, of course, this is the May. Yeah. Um, next week we're doing an interview with Dominic Pace, and then we're going to talk about um, bounty hunters in general. Um, but sometimes we talk about, you know, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And sometimes we talk about Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, just whatever's um, kind of in our, our purview. Dominic, you, know, you guys will have fun with. I think so. Um, I've, I've heard quite a few interviews with him so far. I think, I think we're really going to have a good time. Uh, we had him on pre-pandemic. Like, yeah. What was it right after uh, Mandalorian aired? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Think so. He's actually traveling through here in a few weeks. We might uh, make the trip over to. He's he's going to be in, um, I believe, Kalamazoo area. Okay. Um, which is uh, about an hour and a half to the west of us, and then he's going to be in Detroit, which is an hour and a half to the east of us. And I what? think we're going to try and make one of those appearances. Let me guess. Uh, but I think we're actually going to, sorry, we're going to see him um, probably at Scarif Con first. Let me guess. Traverse City? Scarif Con? No. Chicago. Where no, you're at. you. Where you're at. Oh, no. Um, we're in a town called Jackson. Okay. Which both Kalamazoo and Detroit are on opposite ends of the I-95 or I- I-94 corridor. And we're right smack dab in the middle. I was going to say, if you're saying I-95, you're down here in Florida. Right. <laughs> um, basically, the um, the lower peninsula of Michigan um, is bisected by uh, 127 and I-94. Yep. And the town that we live in is right at that uh, section. And we're considered the crossroads of Michigan, which is yep. Jackson. My, uh, mom, my mom was born in Benton Harbor. Gotcha. Yeah, and actually went Been to there. school. Actually went to school at Western. Nice. nice. So, so when you're, you're calling here regions of the country, you're actually in my neck of the woods, kind of, sort of. Where are you oh, at? Yeah. I'm in Akron, Ohio, just south of Cleveland. Oh yeah, definitely. So, I've been through like that. I said, w- country-wise, <laughs> we're in the same region. Yeah. Right. Right. About uh, yeah. four or five hours. About four away. hours, five hours. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. five. Um, I can make Akron in three and a half. Oh wow! But I drive fast. 
<laughs> I would. I'm not sure that I would make Akron on purpose, but I could make Akron. <laughs> three and a half. Hey, will you say how yours is the cross? Akron is like a cross streams for um, all of basically eastern co- east coast. Yep. Interstate 77 and 76 cross in Akron. Yep. 76 goes from the, um, New York all the way out west, and 77 is your major north south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely been through there. The home of the Zips, as I recall. Yes. Yep. University of Akron Zips. Yep. Which I, I it's weird. Kangaroo mascot calling him Zippy. <laughs> does seem weird. I met some cokeheads like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the biggest news that came out of the last week since we recorded, um, somebody got a little bit of a promotion. Yeah. And this is what everybody in the Star Wars world was uh, screaming for and asking for and begging for and doing everything they could, trying to sell their soul to get to happen. (laughs) And here's the funny thing. What's the one story that does not appear on StarWars.com? That's because it's actually not a new story. Did you read through the rest of the, what it was? Yeah, this happened I guess months this ago. happened a year ago, but they mm-hmm. just now updated the website and they never announced it. Well, it was never made public until. Yeah. Like and they still have not announced it. They just changed the website. They updated the website and it's on there. Yeah. They never made a like, um, press release about it. Yeah. He only needs one more promotion. He is now what we've been asking for. He is Kevin Feige for Star Wars. Right. And we we even went as far as saying, you know, it's okay if they combined it as Feige and Favreau. Yeah. But in I, case anybody didn't doesn't know what we're talking about, Dave Filoni is now uh, what is what was his title? Executive creative director, director of creative. He's executive yep. creative director. Yep. Yeah. Basically be in better hands. Basically any project that comes through goes through his hands for approval first. Not Kathleen Kennedy, but his hands. Which is Any, anything creative. To be. And at this point in time, with them making that call, if that was done to relieve pressure off Kathleen Kennedy, cool. As we said, keep her on as the head of the company, but she's she's the money person. Mm-hmm. That was well, when, when she was executive producers on on various films with Spielberg and with Lucas, her primary job was she was the money person. Yeah, she was a businesswoman. She makes sure that everybody that's supposed to get paid gets paid. <laughs> so let her handle the funding and go talk to Disney about any additional funding if Lucasfilm doesn't have it. But any project that comes out comes from Filoni. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it See, should I think- be. Well, Lucasfilm, when Disney first bought it, they tried to run it the way um, the way Lucas has always run it. One on top, buck stops here. The problem is Kathy Kennedy is not the creative story driven no. um, person. That I mean, Lucas was not the greatest businessman, but he knew he learned he self taught how to run a business, how to run the business side. But he's always was a story person. Well, he so that's why they needed to. Now it looks like they finally set this up the way something like a Marvel Pictures is set up. Kevin Feige is in charge of all the creative, but he doesn't handle the day to day business side of the company. There is an actual president of Marvel, isn't there? That's not Feige. No, Feige handles all of it. See, I thought there was another. There was the business side of it too. Still, no, that's at Marvel Entertainment, which okay. is the comics. Yeah. But Marvel Studios now has the cartoons, the movies, and the TV show, and anything yeah, they brought Disney Plus. Everything in house except for comics. After right. um, after the one guy who Feige had issues with um, on the creative committee. Yeah, wasn't Avi a rat or something like that? Was he uh, the one? Because I know for a long time he was in charge of television. No, it was uh, someone else. Uh, Marvel Creative Committee. Um, Alan Fine oh, okay. was one of the main people. I don't think that was the main person that was the issue. I know it wasn't Bendis. I want it was no Ike Perlmutter was the one because he was the one that led to uh, Edgar Wright leaving. Yeah, I thought Ike Perlmutter was in charge of the comics. He was he was the former Marvel CEO and one of the heads of uh, the competition committee or creative competition committee, creative committee. Sounds like he was trying to be Stan Lee. Probably. But yeah, between that and fine, um, very well liked in the industry. But one, once all, once all those guys left, 
um, which is like 2015. Well, the committee ended in like 2015, 2016. That was around the time that Feige split off and created yeah, and was granted Marvel Studios. Yeah. Um, which led to the, the death of uh, the creative committee. I think once those guys left Marvel in general, the door was open for Feige to take all visual media, moving visual media and putting it at Marvel Studios. So you can bring back the whole it's all connected story. Correct. Which is what they're loosely trying to do now. And that's and, what um, that, bring it back to Star Wars a little bit. That's what Filoni has started doing since they started Mandalorian. Correct. Is making sure that this thing, that, this ginormous animal that they call the Star Wars canon, that they've tried to k- kind of keep the reins on for the entire time that, that Disney has owned it, finally actually has a direction, it feels like. It's not just playing a game of um, relay race. That's also the big problem over at DC is they don't have that cohesive narrative. DC's Mm. big problem is is just two letters. WB. True story. If Um, Warner Brothers would get their hands out of it, DC could actually do some decent stuff. I did see earlier today that Disney's uh, possibly making a move to purchase DC from Warner. The, that's that's been rumored for a while. You get it every two to three months. It, yeah, really? Every two to three months you get that yeah. story. It's the first time I saw it from somebody with uh, any kind of teeth. Yeah. But you know how that works. Who's running it now? I forget. But it was somebody yeah. that I was – it wasn't like we got this covered or something. Yeah. It was somebody who was like, oh, maybe maybe it was comicbook.com or something. I think at this point Disney even realizes that would be a bad move. I don't – It might be. Might because be too much both baggage. companies, Disney, well, Disney, yeah. Mar- or Marvel, and DC. Uh, I don't think it. I don't think it'll need work. to be separate because if you bring both of them together, all of a sudden, they kind of have to keep each other sharp. If they're all, both owned by the same company, all of a sudden, they could be complacent because they're not. They're not competing anymore. They're working together. When yeah. they're competing, they're trying to make each other. They, they kind of make each other better because they have to play the one-ups game. Well, and I th- I think too if they we do saw that, that with wrestling back at the end of two thousands or the end of the nineties. I think if they do that too, it could potentially lead to a an antitrust scenario. You think so? Maybe yeah, there's what, enough other companies out there that yeah, but the market, but DC, DC and Marvel would make up over fifty one percent of your market share. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. That's the concern. Well, it also comes down to that, that could have a little bit of legs on it because Warner Brothers is not calling the shots now. AT&T is. Right. True. And AT&T is trying to sell them Which off to. worse. Yeah, and AT&T is looking at selling them off to Discovery, the Warner Brothers side. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't, wasn't AT&T behind the big DC shakeup last yeah. year? Mm-hmm. Where they fired all their mm-hmm. upper people? Yeah. Yeah. There was big moves too today. Was it today or maybe yesterday? Amazon bought a MGM. huge studio. MGM. MGM. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're we're Which just is your, a hair away from two yeah. people owning everything. Well, MGM owns the um, I, at least the distribution, if not the actual creative rights to the James Bond franchise. Right. I think just distribution at this point. Yeah. It's all consolidation of assets is all that's going on. And we're going to get to the point where there's like two, three people that own everything. It's going to be Amazon, Walmart, and Disney. (laughs) Uh, Google still should run around in there too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Google. Yeah. And food food is the same way. Pepsi owns uh, probably half the companies you've ever heard of. Right. And both in restaurants and in actual, the um, food production you put see in stores. (laughs) Well, for a while too, it used to be, um, Food and alcohol companies used to be part owners or, or some of the owners behind uh, record labels and concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your concert book. For a while there, the Budweiser company, corporation owned everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're a shadow of what they used to be. Yeah. And uh, uh, Philip Morris owned everything under the sun in the yep. 80s and 90s, too. Yep. Yeah. But they were, they were, it, it was. Food, tobacco, and alcohol that was behind a lot of stuff back right. in the day. Yeah. But getting back on track, um, Filoni in charge, this is great. Mm-hmm. I, think this, I think this is the smartest move Disney's made since buying Star Wars. I don't think this was a Disney call, though. 
I think Disney's input, again, even though I work for the company, I have no insight. This is pure speculation on my behalf, and it's risky speculation at that. Uh, the uh, I think Disney may have recommended to Kathleen to restructure some because of the heat they were getting. Yeah on her and somebody needed to take and there needed to be somebody to take control yeah part of that was the um outside of story agendas that were that you could see being pushed whichever direction people see it but you could see it was her um outside of the storyline leanings that was causing things to happen right it was real real world um opinions were affecting the actual story of star wars mm-hmm. correct now, well, just go back to that whole thing with Gina Carano. Like Kathleen Kennedy had nothing to do with that, but no. she sure turned into the fall guy. That mm-hmm. that was that was all Disney on that. Yeah, one. that was a knee jerk reaction. Sure, sure, but you know, Kathleen Kennedy took the brunt of it. Me and Brady talked about that on the show tonight. Um, Kathleen Kennedy is kind of the traffic cop, but she gets blamed for the guy in the Datsun three cars back that spilled his coffee on his lap. Like <laughs> she's just sitting up there directing traffic. You get the money, you get the money, you get the money. But you know, the fans blame her for creative decisions. That's just not in her purview. Right. It's stuff that she doesn't even care about. She doesn't care if Han Solo wore the fucking blue vest instead of the brown one today, she just doesn't care. It's not what she does for a living. But us fans lose it and go, you know, wh- why'd, she, why'd she do that? Well, she didn't do yeah. that. She didn't fire Gina. She didn't this. She didn't do a lot of stuff. But she sure does get all the heat for it. Like you say, mm-hmm. Disney probably said, you need to slide back into the shadows and we'll let some of these creative guys stand up. Yeah. And then fans, fans will be like, oh, yeah, I like that instead of her being the overlord. We already saw signs of it. I mean, look at some of the promo shots of the full cast who was slowly being missing before Mandalorian season two came out. Gina Mm -hmm. Carano was missing in a lot of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, There'd be a. Well, go ahead. Yeah. There'd be the one poster, you know, leading up to the series and there's no Gina. Right. Well, there's a certain segment of people, too, that want to point to an ideology or this or that or the other thing. But it's really a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. Whoever it is that's sticking their head up the most is going to get bopped. Yep. And she wouldn't stop poking her head up. And like you say, they started just slowly backing her off of the promotional material until they felt like they could just go, okay, well, we just didn't hire her again. Well, and if you think about it, too. Uh, Pedro Pascal had been you know, politically had been just as vocal, right? But nothing, nothing came of it. Truthfully, right? But he, when he was told to knock it off, I think, I think yeah. that's where the rubber meets the road. He was told to knock it off, and he took a back seat. He he back he pulled back some, but I mean not yeah. completely. She did too. But enough, yeah, she backed off some, but she was still making extremely big waves. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the biggest wave she made was the whole pronoun thing. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, because. That was a bad move. Well, her initial move, I don't think was a bad move. She did not want to participate in it. Right. People were for, I, I think non-Star Wars fans were jumping in and trying to force her into yeah. something, into well, come on, where's your pronouns? Come on, where's your pronouns? Right. See, what Wholeheartedly, she, what she did do I agree was with figure that. out how to just turn it off and not watch, not look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, well, you, that's, if you uh, don't want to uh, react to this, all she, don't. yeah, that, that's all she had to say was she doesn't want to be a part of that. She so did. Not, she just all she, no that no, that would have been taken as the exact did. opposite of yeah. No, well, that's not she, what she ended up doing. She she initially she said no. She initially said she did the right. Go ahead. She initially, I mean, paraphrasing, she initially said, I, I don't believe in this movement. You know, right. I'm not going to partake in this movement. And she, that's when she started getting bullied more. Mm-hmm. Then that's when, fine, you want something? Beep, bop, boom. Right. It, it was that's when she yeah. fired back that she got hit. You know, she popped her head up. 
Yep. Yeah, the be- the best reaction would have been just totally ignoring it. Yep. Not saying anything at all, one way or the other. It's like, you know what? Because <laughs> then you can't be misunderstood. Right. There's a real similar right. thing going on right now with Mark Ruffalo and somebody else. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I guess it just happened where they um, kind of baited them into talking about what's going on over in Israel. And instead of just going, you know what, kind of no comment, they said something and they managed to piss somebody off. You know, so it's it's just one of those things where um, when you're in these positions like Kathleen Kennedy is or, you know, to bring this back around, you have to. You have to go, well, that's not in my purview of my job. Yeah. So I'm not going to get involved. Right. And and I think that that uh, Gina decided that she was like, no, I'm going to plant a flag in this, which is fine. Well, and then I, she just I think she made it worse, which is I, the problem. I wonder, too, if she got some bad coaching from a manager or a publicist saying you need to respond to this. A hundred percent as well, because. It, it, it's we know she she has friends from all parts of the culture you know and you know variety you know she has a diverse makeup of friends but it's still she did not want to partake initially and was bullied into it and i think someone said i bet you she got the advice you need to do some damage control and you need to speak up and being her, she said her piece and said, look, I'm going to be blunt. You want me to say something? Here's what I'm going to say. It's gibberish. It's just, I don't want to be a part of this. Right. But I think she's being told too, that being a celebrity is a job and that's mm-hmm. part of her job to respond to this. Yeah, the part I think when it first happened, we mentioned this: the fact that her background in MMA means when someone says something, you come back and you fire back. Yep. The problem is in celebrity, you can't do that. Right. Mm. And oh, and and like Mike was saying, everybody is always telling you, well, you need to use your platform to say this or that, or you know, and and wherever it is you're getting your advice is going to influence how you use your platform. And sometimes, well, you know what? It almost never results in you getting more work. No matter what you use yeah. your platform for, it almost never results in you getting more work. You're always pissing somebody off. Right. Well, it's like being Jewish. I had my views over the whole situation with Israel. Not going to talk about it because it's not our place on this show to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about it after show, but... Mm. Um. But I, I guess why we've been so passionate about talking about Gina now is there's a chance, especially now that Filoni has been announced as creative. We know Favreau was upset about her being let go. We know Filoni was upset. And I think a lot of it was, as it has been supposedly reported, she wasn't really fired. She, she just, just wasn't, wasn't hired. She just wasn't offered a new contract. And I think that may have come from Disney you know, saying, chill with, don't, don't offer a contract for a while. Let's let this blow over. And we're going to have to do it our way since she's not doing it the way we've, we're trying to coach her, which again, I think possible bad manager, bad publicist. Okay. So we got the news that, uh, Rangers of the new Republic is on indefinite hold. Are Not they, a surprise. Are we? No. Well, nothing was ever said that she was a part of that series to begin with. It was all speculation. Oh, this is Gina's show. Seems pretty accurate, though. Uh, for all we know, this could have been Brad's show. I mean, we see him walk off after helping get whatever from that Imperial base. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is his show. He goes and cre- helps, steps up and volunteers to be a part of a, a ranger unit, especially with his sniping yeah. skills. Now that he's quote unquote been pardoned by a marshal. Yeah. Well, also, um, I remember when this, all this stuff happened with Gina originally, we had said, don't be surprised if six to eight months to a year later, she's back anyway. Once the, once it dies down and they get the damage control going, cause they have some really good people that do damage control. That's the, all they do. Right. They can flip this and everybody want her back. I think right now the two best people you have for damage control is Filoni and Favreau. Yeah. Now, 
to get yeah. back to the Rangers, why is it on indefinite hold? Because Filoni's working on Ahsoka. Favreau's working on Mandalorian Season 3 and Book of Fett. We got the Andor series coming out. We got the Obi-Wan series coming out. Who's doing Andor? Do we know who the showrunner is there? Uh, we know Deborah Chow's got Obi-Wan. I don't know. Uh, created by Tony Gilroy. Okay. Well, is he the showrunner, though? He's been a writer in Star Wars for years. He's done Clone Wars and Rebels and all of that. Um, Steven, Steven Schiff is show, showrunner or was hired as showrunner and then, um, replaced by Gil, Tony Gilroy as creator okay. and showrunner in April, 2020. And very well may have been a thing too, where they were just like, you know what? The story that we thought we wanted to tell isn't a fully formed idea. We're going to go back and. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. So who, we're going to pop it in somewhere else or. So who knows what what they've written for season three Mando? What's been done with Book of Fett? What's been done with Ahsoka? Which is those time periods and how that may have changed their concept or idea with New Republic to go or Rangers of the New Republic because then they go, oh, now we could go this direction with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, for Andor, that actually that continues with the um, the uh, pattern they've been doing because. I remember now. I remember where I looked him up. I found where I remembered Gilroy from. He was the screenwriter for Rogue One. Yep. So Andor was there. Andor was his character to start with. Yep. But just like Deborah Chow cut her teeth on um, Obi Wan in the Star uh, Mandalorian in the Star Wars universe, now she's moving on to something else. This was um, this is what we've seen from them since they've been doing things what we consider correctly. Right. Deborah Chow's episodes of Mandalorian were fantastic. Mm Hmm. She's mm. exceptional. Yeah. So let's, we're not going to talk about the replacements episode. Uh, let's talk about the latest episode of Bad Batch. Um, it's cornered is what it's titled for, for me watching it as they're going through, you know, saying, Hey, we need to find some place to land. Um, I thought it was funny that the planet they go to land on is called Pantora. Just one letter off from a property of another planet of, that's home to blue skinned people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's the other way around. If it, if there's any connection, it's Star Wars connected or um, influencing there, because the Pantorans have been around since the prequels. Right, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. George right. Lucas and his family were the Pantorans. Right, right, right. Yep, they're walk or at the stairs going into the opera, and that's well before Avatar. <laughs> Yep. They're essentially the same as right. the Chiss we talked about earlier in, on our show. Uh, spare the eye color. They're almost the same. And yeah. the build, because uh, it seems like everything you read of a Chiss, they're all pretty thin built, yeah. similar to what Thrawn is. Yep. They're strong, but kind of lanky. Well, quick, okay, so Avatar came out in 2009. When was, yeah. it, when was it originally supposed to be released? Oh, probably in the 70s at the rate that guy makes movies. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm looking here. Development for Avatar began in 1984. Yeah, see? When he wrote a 80-page uh, treatment for the film. I see. But then again, the prequels, the, um, the concepts were originally designed in the early 70s when he was writing Star Wars. Yeah, guys like Cameron, like Lucas, like Spielberg, have stacks of notebooks with ideas in them. Uh, filming was originally supposed to take place in in ninety seven, following the completion of Titanic for a nineteen ninety nine planned release. Interesting uh, factoid about Avatar: Avatar is the first movie my daughter went to the theater in. She was in a stroller, <laughs> like. So you, so you, you took her to go see the live action Fern Gully. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> she was a good girl. Slept through most of it. So awesome. So now we have what could be the the reversal. Uh, work on the language of the film's extraterrestrial beings began in two thousand five, and Cameron began developing the screenplay and fictional universe in two thousand six. So maybe the, he did take the inspiration from revenge of the sith who knows it's just the whole it's very similar yeah i, well, I was so i was surprised the planet did not or the when we see the flyover the planet when they're heading to the city did not look more like a pandora mm-hmm. yeah because if they had it would have been 
well, this would have been this would be easy for Disney to swap over once Cameron fails and it goes from the world of Pandora to the world of Pantora, a Star Wars universe. But there's been another idea passed passed around. I almost would rather see it become uh, Syndrome's Island from The Incredibles. Oh, that would be cool. So, um, so here here's some things from some highlights from Cornered. Um, we see Finnick Shand appear, uh, of course, voiced by Ming Na Wen. Um, for uh, number she looks one, pretty good in animated form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From StarWars.com. Well, uh, from their it declassified. was a younger version. <laughs> yeah. We can always, audio, you can always pitch that voice back. Make her sound a little younger. Uh, I'll make it worth your while. The voice is unmistakable. Uh, it is Ming-Na Wen. Even in the darkened cockpit, we recognize a young Fennec Shand anywhere. But it's her interest in Omega that's, that spells trouble. Uh, number two, Echo knows his worth. I thought this was funny. For him to go incognito, he went dressed as a droid hmm. and then uh, get sold off, quote unquote, as a droid to get part uh, to get credits what, for what they need. And then turns around, and just walks out, leads a, one of the first droid rebellions and walks out. Right. Um, this is where L3 got the idea. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when, when confront, you know, when consulted, he, Echo goes, I refuse to be sold for that much. I go for more or I don't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, four packs and trooper dolls, uh, which I found this interesting. Uh, we, we see I mean, there, there's there's Easter eggs to Batu in this, um, along with uh, a nod to resistance and Rogue One. And that's one, the trooper doll and the vor packs. Uh, I don't remember what the vor packs are. They're like that a was, uh, um, brown dog. Oh, that, yeah, that, six legged dogs. It was, um, what's her name's pet? Um, Toradosa's pet. Yes. Yes. Mirna Sertris or Mirna Velasco, her character's pet. Um, but the trooper doll, you could get that same trooper doll uh, at Galaxy's Edge at Batu. I want to go there so bad. Of course, mm-hmm. Jin Erso had one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that they they sell. They've made sure they they have sold is is that um, the Tuka doll. They also sell. I just wonder if we'll get the very we'll get records variation coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, ever hear that little trivia tidbit that the Tuka doll is based on a cat that I believe Filoni had? Oh, the two uh, cats are? Yeah. Yes. Um, I guess he, they're named after a cat that he had that passed just before they made uh, Rebels, I believe. Okay. I, I was just really kind of a cute little. Um, well, we know um, Filoni likes cats in real life. I mean, he would loft cats, Tuka cats. <laughs> well, the, the first Tuka doll we see is actually in, during the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, there. Wikipedia has no behind-the-scenes story on the dolls. Um, a great place for that kind of little tidbitty stuff uh, is denetgeeks dot com. Yeah. We pull a lot of stuff from them. They're really good about, um, you know, when these series comes out, there'll be a page that they do for every episode of just interesting little stuff. Um, and we usually go over, you know, some of the highlights of that stuff. They're right. they're just really great researchers, I guess. Um, number four, Hunter and Record to the Rescue. That's pretty much self-explanatory. And then uh, number five, tuck and roll when you land, kid. Same advice Finnick delivers to Omega. Comes handy for herself, but something tells me we're not out of this one yet, according to StarWars.com. Now, here here's something I found interesting that i've been hearing online rumor wise um omega is she truly a clone of Django fett or is what's made her special is she a clone of palpatine it's interesting and she may be a clone of someone else entirely and if she's a clone of palpatine are we potentially seeing the story of ray's mother was ray's mother a force user Never said. Because mm. it was Ray's dad was one of Palpatine's clones, but he wasn't force capable, right? What Was it ever specified which parent was 
Palpatine. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that uh, Ray's dad was Palpatine's clone, but that doesn't mean that Ray's mother is not a Force user. True. There's there's something makes her um, uniquely powerful in the Force. Like maybe the the uh, the trait or the gene that makes um, or you know from Palpatine is recessive. So maybe it skipped a generation according or something. To, according to Wikipedia, yeah, her father was yeah. was a clone of Darth Sidious. At some point, we need to get a get that story somewhere. It'll probably yeah. be a book or a comic book or something. But somebody's going to put it all together in a way that, and then there was one. There can only be one. Oh, sorry, <laughs> wrong franchise. Did, did you want- see that uh, Henry Cavill is going to be doing a remake of? Um, That's the biggest rumor right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a rumor. It came out on Henry Cavill's Twitter page. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's um, campaigning for it. Oh, okay. He wants it to happen. It should happen. They are they are doing a remake of Lander, and he wants to be a part of it. I'll watch him do just about anything. Have you seen The Witcher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely amazing. So, uh, I can't wait for season two next. I can't wait to see him actually as Superman at some point. We still haven't seen it, <laughs> right? In a yeah, in a decent story, one that's not all dark. Nobody, yeah, at no point have we actually seen Superman yet. Mm. Now, Grumpy man, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I th- spotted on the man, there's a model of a source of personal luxury yacht. On the manager's desk at the spaceport. Yes. Uh, this is the same ship made famous by Lando Calrissian. Because um, it was Lando's personal craft. One was Lando's personal craft, the Lady Luck. It yeah. also appeared. I never, knew that, I, I never knew that's what the Lady Luck looked like. I've read all the books with it in it. but <laughs> It also appeared later in Rebels as a ship owned by Hondo Anaka called Fortune and Glory, which is a reference to another Lucasfilm property. Indiana Jones mm-hmm. um, with many s- urban Star Wars environments. Tuka cats of unique colors can be seen in the streets of Pantora, which we've seen them in Mandalorian. We've seen them in the Clone Wars. Now we've seen them in, in Bad Batch. And yes, they are very similar looking to Loth cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's the four pack that we talked about earlier. Um, Made famous in Resistance thanks to Buggles, Tor Dozer's mischievous pet. Now, the clone trooper toy that Omega plays with at the Grand Shop is similar to the one, like we talked about earlier, owned by a young Jen Urso. And it is sold by Sabaka at the Toy Dorian Toy Maker Store at Black Spire Outpost. Uh, Fennec Shan makes her animated debut. Uh, about a year and a half after her first appearance in The Mandalorian. Here we see a younger Shand. Year and a half? No. Be like six months, right? Yeah. Year and a half makes sense. Yeah. She, she was, was in, in the first middle of season one. Technically, she was in season one. Uh, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because you get the Spurs, I believe. Forgot about Wasn't that. It? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where she's sniping, sniping from that uh, high vantage point as they're on tattooing yeah. there. Yep. She just has a lot more to do in season two. I'm th- I'm thinking after her last appearance, her <laughs> first appearance tells you where my mind's going. Uh, maybe a little less experienced, but she's no less dangerous. So that's what I have about the Bad Batch cornered all from uh, StarWars.com. But I'm going to give you, Don, a chance to turn the tables on us and ask us a couple questions since we're getting towards the end of the show. Ooh. Um, hmm. You guys have been doing this show for quite a while, right? Uh, this is episode 214, I believe. So you've done it a couple of times. Yeah. Once or twice. Since, since 2016. What do you guys think oh. the most rewarding thing about doing... Uh, podcast with with your friends is absolutely nothing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, there's a reward for this? <laughs> playing Star Wars Family Feud? No. You, no, you, I know that one's a lot. You, you, you want to do what? <laughs> See, your fault, Derek. It's all your fault. 
cameras, though. <laughs> it's one of the things that I always find interesting when you're talking to uh, uh, people that, that you don't normally get to talk to in this, this, I don't know if you want to call it a business, because we all love different things about it. Mm. Um, so what do you guys think? What's rewarding for you guys doing this show? Especially since the three of us have really never been in the same room together ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it's fun to get together and, and talk Star Wars. And we kind of all have our, our own different uh, aspects on it. And, and, and uh, so it makes it interesting a lot of times. We all have yeah, different yeah. things about it we like and. A lot of times I like um, get a chance to actually get into the minutia and all the little things that regular people out there that are just uh, are fan that watch the movies and they watch all the stuff. They just get really bored getting into some of the really, really little things <laughs> that we'll just go off for hours. The, the way you do with just absolute diehard Star Wars fans and then realizing that, you know what? We don't have to agree to be friends. Yeah, One of my mottos in life applies to this also. <laughs> You have the absolute right to be wrong. That's fine. I don't I have to tell you you're wrong. for a second. <laughs> I was like, we don't have to agree to be friends, but we have to agree to get along. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you made it. We don't have to agree with each other to be friends. Exactly. Yes, I got gotcha. you. And there's yeah. been times when we've had different opinions, and that's fine. We can yep. still be friends. <laughs> yep. And we've had that happen many, many times. Yep. Without a doubt. <laughs> At the end of the yeah. day. This is a, a movie right. franchise. It's not like the end of the world. <laughs> right. Which, right. if we could do that, why can't social media do that? Oh, wait. Never mind. But we've been through. We're not getting into that, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole That's a whole different topic. That's a whole other show and a half. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you're just yelling off into the ether. <laughs> I, I think for me, one of the most rewarding things is uh, talking with these guys, um, knowing eventually I will meet up with these guys in person, mm-hmm. um, whether it's helping them plan a trip down here to Walt Disney World so we could just take over Batu and Galaxy's Edge. And for me to share with them finally the awe and see their reactions and see what they do. I know what I went through uh, when I went through, even at at cash previews. um, I know what made me totally emotional and and, and blubber like a a kid who just, yeah, even talking now, I get tongue tied with it. Um, I know what I went through. Uh, I want to see these guys go through it as well and, and just see see them just revert immediately back to, uh, I guess the best way to put it, to their seven-year-old self or however old they were when they first saw, re- remember clearly seeing the movie in the in the theaters because we're old enough for that. Yeah. And seeing, and seeing that in, in these two of that reversion back to that moment of what I'm seeing on screen is real in front of me. That's I I've had that reaction. Remember we talked about it when I, and um, my wife and I were coming back from um, Kentucky and through Cincinnati when the um, museum down there had the star Wars costume exhibit. Okay. Cost- and there, you walk up the hallway. Have you ever, did you ever get a chance to see that done? Um, cost- it was in Detroit. I exhibit? couldn't get tickets. Ah, well, you come up this hallway and turn the corner. And the first thing there is Alec Guinness's robes from a, from A New Hope. Right, I'd have been in tears. And I lost it. I I don't know how. I don't know why. I just I walked up. I couldn't continue. For, it took me about five minutes to recompose myself and move mm-hmm. on. It was right. it was weird, and it was a reaction. I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? It was just out of nowhere. It's like holy crap. <laughs> right. Well, it's my childhood standing in this glass mm-hmm. case. Yeah. Exactly, but I, for many of us, that was he. That Obi Wan Kenobi may have been one of your first heroes you ever met. Yeah, definitely. But I will, I will tell you, this is a totally different experience from that. Because I, because I, oh, the immersion of Batu. Yeah, Black Spire. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not you're you're looking at props and costumes for your from your favorite film. Because I've done that too and mm-hmm. gotten just as emotional. It's you're walking in and you're going, holy cow, I'm actually living this. Right. Now, imagine 
Totally. We'll be able to go to the Star Cruiser. Oh, yeah, that'll mm. be amazing. <sighs> and hope it doesn't crash. Because uh, Star Cruiser crash. Uh, uh, only thing keeping me from that is the price point. <laughs> is the price tag? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last I heard, we were talking uh, $1,300 to $1,600 per person. Per night. <laughs> oh, is it per night? I think. The whole, the whole, the whole thing. Well, it's is a two-night stay. Yeah, it's two nights, three days. Is um, that the thirteen hundred? It it comes out to about three grand. A Is family. That right? Yeah, a three yeah three grand for a couple, right? Oh, that's less three than grand, I expected. Okay, three grand for a room for a family. That's a standard standard room. Mm. You want you want the upgrade to a first class room? You're gonna be paying more. Oh yeah. Now it's, I can see me and Brady pulling together the money and making the pilgrimage to to take and do that. Um, but I can't imagine doing that with a family, you know, the, the atomic family, like so expensive, like it's bad enough just trying to pull Disney off anymore. That's not the great American family vacation anymore. That's unattainable for a lot of people. Yep. I mean, my wife's an RN and I work in aerospace. So the idea that I could scrounge up that money, not that, you know, that far out of, reality but that's not a normal uh you know most people's reaction isn't yeah i could pull it together three grand it also depends on why are you going yeah. are you going to disney for the rides and the thrill stuff you're only like two hours less than two hours from cedar point <laughs> right yeah i would literally probably to do that i would probably fly in land take a uber there do the experience and then hop on a plane and come home Cause I can't yeah. imagine being a f- able to afford a couple few more days in amusement parks after that. And see with this, it's, you have access to Batu, but you can't oh, do you. Yeah. You, you, with the star cruiser, your, your, your second day. Cause you'll check in sometime after three, quote unquote, uh, you check in, you have that night. The next day is your day at Batu for your shore shore leave or your shore shore excursion. Mm-hmm. Problem is, you can only stay in Batu. You can't go out. Supposedly, you cannot go. From what I've been hearing, you cannot go out to the rest of the park. Because one, I'd be okay with that. I've been there like six times. Because one, you're you have the option of dressing in universe, and they will have oh. costumes for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I I do remember hearing that. Yeah. Is the lightsaber included? the The new super cool lightsaber is that included in your price? I don't know if that's included or if that's an additional add-on to participate in the Jedi training. Actually, for what it sounded right at the moment, those lightsabers were for cast members only at the moment. No, they're supposed to be part of the, part of the shows. It's supposed to be part of the Jedi training oh. as well. Because I can't but think of that, that may, being sturdy enough to actually use the, yeah. with other blades. No, this is something you will go in and you will train with uh, um, remote training, like training remotes. Saber. Yeah. Ah, okay. With training remotes and everything else. Yeah. It's really a cool uh, thing that they built, though. I mean, even if you can't afford it, just knowing it exists. Mm. Yeah. Is is we're finally at that point where the nerds are in charge. Well, as Derek and I say over on uh, Weeby Geeks, you know, it is a geek revolution. It definitely is. So it definitely is. Um, any final thoughts, guys? We're almost time to wrap it up. Yeah, just one final thought. Did you see today? It came out today that J.J. Uh, Abrams admits that he should have had a plan for the sequels. I just saw that. It just popped up on my feed. <laughs> like, no, I haven't seen that. Yet. Yeah, you think? <laughs> I'm almost afraid to watch it to see how much backtracking he's, do- he's doing with it. Because <laughs> it. I think that uh, the plan that they did have, I think Ryan Johnson blew up. I disagree. I don't think they had a plan. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was a game plan. I almost wonder if not, um, J.J. Abrams had the idea in his head where he wanted to go. But um, and when he first started, he may have had a general thought that he had some direction on the rest of it. But Disney, Disney and Lucasfilm decided, decided on their own that, you know what? You have one movie. That's all you get control over. Right. I think at one point, wasn't it announced that he was writing, directing the first one, but still producing the other two. So he would still have some creative control. Right. Well, he, he was supposed to be the through line. 
Yeah, and supposedly he was supposed to have helped Ryan Johnson with the with the story. So it certainly didn't didn't play like that. No, not at all. So, uh, any other final thoughts? Uh, well, thanks for coming on, Don. This yeah, I really appreciate coming on. I think I think I had a good time. Awesome. Good. And on that note, I'm just going to say there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jax, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. Become my apprentice. Learn to use the dark side of the Force.